Well, hello and welcome to the Informed Traveler podcast, part of the Informed Traveler radio show heard each week on Chorus Radio. It's a travel podcast where our goal is to help you become a more informed traveler. And I'm your host, Randy Sharman. It's iceberg season, so on this week's podcast, we'll visit the iceberg capital of the world, Twillingate, Newfoundland, to learn not only about viewing the icebergs, but all the other things to see and do there. Plus, we'll head to the other end of the continent and talk with the folks from the Kantishna Roadhouse, located in the backcountry of Denali National Park in Alaska. But to begin this week's podcast, we're going to talk about the different transit options available to get to and around Banff National Park. So to explain it further, we're joined now by Nancy Dedalt. She is the Director of Visitor Experience for Banff and Lake Louise Tourism. The website is explorethepark.ca. Anybody who's been to Banff National Park knows it can get very busy and very congested in the summertime with traffic. Give us some idea. How many people, how many visitors on average do you get in the summertime? Well, of course, it's been quite different over the last couple of years, Randy, because of COVID. And Mm. we're expecting uh, larger numbers closer to what it was in 2019. And that's welcome for everyone from an economic perspective and also from let's get out and get connected to nature perspective. So we are anticipating that we will have a summer similar to what we saw in 2019. And um, for that, it was around about 2.1 or 2 million over the summer. And that spreads from early May until early October. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. And like I said, that's a lot of vehicles. That's a lot of people. So we want to make the the experience as best as possible. And uh, some ways to do that, of course, is to leave your car at home or park your car somewhere. There's, there's two kinds of things here. One is getting to the park, and then there's getting around the park once you're in the park, right? Exactly. Getting to the park can now be done right from Calgary, especially on the weekends, with a service called Onnit. And Onnit is being subsidized or supported by Parks Canada and the Town of Banff to encourage our Calgarian neighbours to come directly on that and then connect further with transit and shuttle options once they're here. And if you're coming to stay for a night or two, when you get here, leave your car at your hotel, leave your car at the campground. With the campgrounds in particular, there's free transit down into the town of Banff as well as into the village of Lake Louise. And uh, many rest, many, excuse me, many hotels are also providing transit passes. So leave your car parked in the hotel um, parking area and then either grab a bike that's at some of the hotels, rent a bike, have a walk, or jump on transit or shuttle. Let's uh, back up just a little bit and then talk a little bit more about on it, and then we'll talk more about once you're at the park. But, but there's different locations within Calgary. So if you're coming from outside of Calgary, you can leave your car at uh, Crowfoot, LRT, downtown, Bridalwood, and, and different locations like that, right? Exactly. And it's $10 one way to get to Banff, mm-hmm. and that's Fridays through Sundays and stat holidays. Okay, so now if you're coming into Calgary, if you're from Calgary, uh, like I said, you can you can park at one of those locations, hop on the Onnit uh, bus, and where does that take you into Banff? It takes you right to the downtown core of Banff. We have transit hubs now, and this one is on Banff Avenue on the corner uh, close to Wolf and Banff Avenue. Nice. So you know, you're right, right across in, from the high school. Yeah. So you're right in the town now. You can walk around, and now once you're in the town, there's different ways of getting around to explore the park as well, right? Yes. Almost 
all attractions are accessed easily by what we call Rome Public Transit. And it's as little as $2 per person, and, and it's even less for seniors and students. And that will take you to the Upper Hot Springs, Sulphur Mountain Gondola, and Lake Minnewanka. And Pursuit, who has the gondola on Sulphur Mountain, they also have a free shuttle service to take people from downtown core up to the gondola as well. And then if you're looking to go to additional locations along Johnson's Canyon, uh, as well as to Lake Louise, there is Rome that will take people directly to there, and it connects with Parks Canada shuttles to take people up to Lake Louise and up to Moraine Lake. There's really no reason to take your car, but there is parking available. It's limited, though, uh, in the park itself too, right? Yes, it is limited. We have intercept parking lots in both locations, in Banff and Lake Louise, Randy. In Banff, it's at the train station, which is about maybe a five- to seven-minute walk to the downtown core. And as you come into either entrance, you'll see the signs directing people to that free parking. And that takes about six to 700 cars. And then in Lake Louise, there's also intercept parking at the Lake Louise Ski Resort. And that's connected directly with the shuttle system that Parks Canada has that will take you directly to the lakeshore and at Lake Louise and the lakeshore at Moraine Lake. And there's also a combination that you can do both and you can purchase that all online. And the link is part of uh, explorethepark.ca. Uh, anything else that people need to know? Um, do the right thing. Leave your car at home. We can't wait to see you. It's an important year for recovery for everyone from a financial perspective and also from an emotional perspective for all of us to get out, to connect to nature, and to connect to each other. Yeah, a stress-free way of uh, getting to Banff National Park, which is better Ab for everybody, absolutely. right? <laughs> absolutely. You can find out uh, all the information on explorethepark.ca. It has the schedules there and uh, the different uh, uh, ways of getting to Banff National Park and getting around Na Banff National Park. And Nancy did all this Director of Visitor Experience with Banff and Lake Louise Tourism. Again, the website explorethepark.ca. Thanks for the info, Nancy. Thank you, Randy. Well, if you're looking for an outdoor adventure in the backcountry of Denali National Park in Alaska, the Kantishna Roadhouse might be a good choice. So joining us now to tell us more about the Kantishna Roadhouse all the way from Alaska is Jordan Sanford. She's the general manager of the Kantishna Roadhouse. KantishnaRoadhouse.com is the website. Hi, Jordan. Hey, how's it going? It's going very well. I, w I was looking at your website, KantishnaRoadhouse.com, just to get uh, an idea of uh, what the Kantishna Roadhouse is all about. It looks absolutely amazing, but give me some background on how it came about and how long it's been open, and uh, most importantly, how do you get there? <laughs> sure. So Kantishna Roadhouse has been open for, um, this will be our 27th season out there. Um, we're at the very end of the Denali Park Road, so we're at mile 92. Um, the park road this season is closed about halfway at mile 43. Typically, guests uh, historically have taken the long bus ride in um, to our lodge and then bus out. Um, previously, sometimes guests will 
come in on the bus and then decide to fly out, which is a unique opportunity to be able to fly right by Mount Denali and the Alaska Range. Um, but with the park road closure, um, we are only able to access our lodge by aircraft. So this season exclusively will be a fly in and out season. Um, guests, you know, will still be able to see wildlife coming in and out. Um, the real kind of unique part about it this season is that um, there won't be as many people in the back country um, because it's not able to be exposed you know, be able to get there by the road. Mm -hmm. So it's a really unique and exclusive experience for um, people to visit the backcountry of Denali National Park this season. Yeah, I would think so. Uh, Now describe the accommodations for me. Sure. So um, typically in a normal season, we have cabins. There are 32 cabins that we um, have on our property this season we're only opening up about half of our cabins due to the park road closure so it really is um, goes back to that exclusive experience mm-hmm. not as many people in the back country um, and they all have their own private bath um, so they're very rustic Alaskan experience um, but with a private bath so there's no outhouses or anything <laughs> like that <laughs> and you can accommodate uh, you know all types of you know couples or family groups I, w- I would assume yeah, yeah. So our cabins sleep up to five, two queen beds with a optional rollaway in them. And um, you know, we see lots of couples coming out to our lodge. We see families. Um, we can definitely accommodate um, couples and families, and even um, single solo travelers as well. And now, what do you? Uh, what's included? I would assume, like since you're flying, you wouldn't be able to bring too much stuff. So uh, I would, I would imagine you guys are supplying a lot of it, right? Right. Yeah. So it is all inclusive. Um, we all the meals, all your activities. Um, we do offer our guest laundry service, keeping in mind that we, the guests can only bring out 25 pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do um, offer that for our guests. And um, the only thing that's not included is optional bar purchases. We do have a bar um, and then gift shop purchases. We have a small gift shop there as well. If you're going to be in Denali National Park, I think uh, being in the outdoors is the reason why you'd want that. So you, you offer some tour, like hiking tours, exploring, uh, and those types of adventures, I would assume, right? Yes, that's correct. So um, we do guided hikes every day. Um, we have three different levels of hikes. So we have more of a casual hike, a moderate hike, and then we have more of a strenuous hike for the people that would really like to get out there and explore. Um, we also have fly fishing and bicycles, and our guests are welcome to take the bicycles and bike out to Wonder Lake um, as far as they can go kind of on the park road if they'd wish. Mm-hmm. And then also we do um, tours each morning and evening depending on how the weather is and if Denali is going to be out for us. Um, we will take a, the group down to Wonder Lake, and it's a perfect viewing option to see Mount Denali. Mm-hmm. Uh, what kind of wildlife would you see? Uh, I'm thinking bears. <laughs> sure. So it's always possible to see animals on any of our guided hikes or even, you know, they walk through our property sometimes. Um, we can't guarantee it, of course, but definitely bears, caribou, um, possibility of moose, and then lots of smaller wildlife, um, lots of birds. Obviously, this is seasonal. It only runs during the summer months, right? And and people, if you go on the website again, it's uh, Uh There's three nights days, four nights days, seven nights. Uh, so you have the option uh, if you want a shorter or a longer stay. 
Yes, yeah, that's correct. So we're operating on a fixed schedule of fly-ins uh, this season. So Tuesday would require arrival on a Tuesday would require a four-night minimum stay. Arrival on a Saturday would require a three-night. Then, of course, either or for a seven-night stay. Mm-hmm. And now, where do you fly from? Sure. So uh, we've partnered with Denali Air this season, and that's at the park entrance. Um, and so it's a 55-minute flight to the lodge. Um, that includes weather permitting a scenic flyby of Mount Denali and the Alaska Range. And then coming out, it's a direct just 35-minute flight. That is about two and a half hours from Fairbanks. Fairbanks, Alaska is where you would probably fly in from or arrive to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and getting there is, I would think, is half the experience, right, of uh, seeing uh, lots of Alaska just to get to uh, Fairbanks and then to get up to Denali Park, right? Yeah, exactly. And I, I think, you know, it's really... Um, I'm a lifelong Alaskan, and I have never flown by Mount Denali, and so it is a really exclusive, <laughs> um, nice experience, you know, for our, our guests. It's really neat to see the park from above. Mm-hmm. And you do have, as you mentioned, uh, dining options available there. Tell me about the uh, the dining and and the kinds of uh, menu that you offer. Sure. So um, we offer all meals out at the lodge and, and snacks and um we do um, breakfast is a more of a buffet style, and then we have lunch, which um, if you're a hiker and you're going out on the guided hikes, you get a sack lunch. Um, if you're staying, you'll eat lunch at the roadhouse, and then our dinners are our family style, and everybody eats together each evening, and it's just a really um, unique and fun experience um, to to go through. Mm-hmm. Well, I think one of the cool things in the summertime in Alaska is the amount of daylight. Like, what time does it get dark, uh, say, in uh, towards the end of June? It's light all the time, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it'll start to get dark a little bit, you know, for a kind of more twilight, but um, it's, it's bright close to 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Do you get uh, any uh, repeat guests? People have come back uh, over and over? Yes, we do. Um, we have lots of couples that return each year, um, and they really enjoy enjoy being able to get out and really disconnect. Mm-hmm. We don't um, have Wi-Fi or cellular service, so it is a true um, disconnecting experience. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds fabulous if you want more information. And look at some of the photos in the video. The uh, com was the website. And Jordan Sanford is the general manager of uh, Kentishno Roadhouse. Thanks for doing this. I appreciate your time. Thank you. It's iceberg viewing season in Newfoundland right now, and there's no better place to be than Twillingate, Newfoundland, known as the iceberg capital of the world. So joining us now to tell us all about Twillingate is Deborah Borden. She's a tour operator in Twillingate, Newfoundland. The website is visittwillingate.com. Hi, Deborah. Hi, how are you? I'm fine. Iceberg capital of the world. Indeed. <laughs> we will, well, right we'll, now, particularly. Exactly. We're going to talk a little bit about that. But tell me about the area in general of Twilling Gate, where it's located, how to get there, and, and some of the history, maybe. Just a short little history lesson, perhaps. Okay. Well, that's a lot. So, <laughs> Twilling Gate is, yeah, is an island off the coast of the island of Newfoundland. 
Actually, we often refer to it as an island off the coast of an island off the coast of an island off the coast of an island because <laughs> you have to take you have to take three small causeways to get to us. So we're in the North Atlantic on the northeast coast of Newf- the island of Newfoundland, and we're about a five and a half hour drive from St. John's, which is of course our capital city, and about uh, one and a half hours from Gander, which is our nearest airport. And we are a small island that is rich in the history of fishing. Uh, obviously, as many rural Newfoundland uh, communities are, that's our history. But in recent years, uh, you know, a lot of tourism has developed, especially in the last 10 to 15 years. Mm-hmm. So now I say that, we, you know, we are a tourism slash fishing community that uh, is rich in its culture, its history, of course, uh, which is in its arts and its music and all things Newfoundlandia. So if you wanted to get a good taste of what Newfoundland is about, this would be a good place to visit, right? I think so. I think that, you know, we are still a living, breathing, uh, you know, rural community that still has a fairly strong fishery, given all the changes that have happened since the moratorium or the cod moratorium in 1992. Uh, but still, there's a significant amount of fishing that happens, and we have over 2,000 people that live here year-round. So we're a really uh, thriving example of rural Newfoundland and still very, very steeped in our history and our culture. So I think, yes, you'd get a great representation. I think you'd probably get one of the best representations. Well, it is iceberg capital of the world. It's iceberg season now. Uh, is that a good time to visit? Is, is it a busy time? It's, it's, you know, it's a busy time, but it's also a good time. It's uh, still considered in many ways the shoulder season leading up to our core season. Right now, we are exceptionally busy because we have this you know, massive iceberg that is actually you know, really located really close to land, so it's attracting a lot of attention. The boat tours are going to it crazy every single day, multiple trips. So there's just a lot of activity at this moment because this iceberg is just so beautiful. Well, I would think so. Uh, it's, I've never seen one up close, but I think it would be pretty amazing. Uh, tell me about some of the tours that are offered. Uh, the, the boats will take you as close as possible to to the icebergs? As close as possible and still remaining safe, as yeah. we, we know that the thing about an iceberg that most people don't understand is that, you know, as much as you see above the water, there is often, you know, eight or nine times that amount underwater. Mm. So, and they can tumble and turn. So we, you know, so they keep their distance, but get you pretty close. Uh, so there's several different boat tours from Rigid Bottom Zodiacs, which are quite spectacular to larger Boats. I think there's a boat to fit everyone's kind of comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also sea kayaking. Uh, so we have a kayaking tour group that also paddle as close as safe to the iceberg. So there's uh, lots of ways to get to see it. And when it's close, as close to land as this, then people often, you know, like the idea that they can sit and watch it from either the hillside or from a trail and, and take pictures of it there. So, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of the best of both worlds. You don't have to travel too far to see it, but if you want to get closer, then you can choose to go out. And I always say that, you know, the boat tour experience is awesome. Uh, You think it's really spectacular from the land, but when you get on the sea and get close to the iceberg, it's 
it's just that much more meaningful and that much more of a special experience. Mm-hmm. And how close do they get to the land? Like like a boat tour, you're not going that far out to see mm-hmm. them, are you? So no, but I mean, often, you know, we will travel, you know, three or four kilometers to go see them. But this one is literally uh, sitting, you know, maybe 100 to 200 feet off land is now grounded because it's so close to land and and that has uh you know unique factors to it because now it's not moving Uh as much so you're almost guaranteed that it will be there until it slowly starts to you know break apart and disintegrate and 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 that could take you know up to a month for that to happen with an iceberg as as large as this one is and how long does iceberg season run till uh, end of june or Around there? You know, that's a, that, that, that is a question that's almost impossible to answer. <laughs> Whatever they feel then, like it. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, 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 traditionally it's always been, you know, from like mid-May into June and possibly sneaking into the, like, the early parts of July. Mm-hmm. But I have seen icebergs from May till October. So we never, ever get to really predict because it is Mother Nature. Yeah. The other thing that, you know, is impacting, as we know, climate change mm-hmm. has an impact now on what's happening where these glaciers are being birthed and breaking off and traveling down from Greenland. So, you know, every year seems to be different and we just kind of like marvel at it when it happens. Mm -hmm. And I always say, well, we call ourselves the iceberg capital of the world and icebergs are a big part of that one icon that's on people's bucket list there's just so much more to us than icebergs and well yeah let's let's get to that because i was going to say yeah there's lots of wildlife you can do uh Mm -hmm. some hiking and of course you know you got to go to a pub and and take in some of the culture too right yeah and that's it so i mean we we have a lot on offer we have you know over 25 uh, kilometers of coastal trails so our rock cut trail system which, you know, as a town, we've been working to upgrade and develop more and more each year. And it is, it is really um, worth seeing. And you're hiking right along the coast and some spectacular views. Uh, there's boat tours running throughout our entire tourism season. So whether or not you're just out looking for the possibility of a whale sighting or the possibility of an iceberg or the possibility of just seeing any other wildlife like our gannets are, again, amazing to see. Uh, there's lots of other bird and wildlife that's out there. And then just our coastline, it's, it's spectacular. It's beautiful. I think anytime you can get on the sea, it's a, it's a really great way to spend an afternoon or mm-hmm. a morning. Um, then we have, you know, you can do it by kayak. And so there's, uh, you know, a couple of companies in the area that are doing kayak tours. And we see a lot of kayakers, a lot of hikers, you know, that sort of soft, adventure but then you know for families there's just beach combing and there's you know lots of sort of culture to take in we have four or five different museums uh the wooden boat museum which is kind of a new offering in the last um couple three years and it's just a really interesting to see how boats were made to watch someone build a boat uh right there in in the property so that's kind of really really neat to see that history mm-hmm. and that skill and that craftsmanship being preserved and that knowledge being passed along and then when we talk about entertainment you know there's uh our dinner theater there's entertainment in pubs and then there is a, a group of women uh that have been together for 29 years now 
called the Split Peas, and they, you know, are performing during the summer, and they're a big hit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's just lots to see and do, lots of built heritage as well, and, you know, incredible architecture. So there's no shortage of things to keep yourself busy for uh, quite a number of days. Well, it sounds uh, wonderful. Is there a ferry from the mainland to, to get there? Uh, how does that work? No, that's what I say is so extraordinary. About <laughs> you get island life, but you get to drive. We have a causeway. Oh, nice. So, so you, never get, you never get the technical problems or the mechanical problems of a ferry. You get to drive right on. But once you're on the island, you really do get that island lifestyle and that island feel. So it's the best of both worlds. It is the best of both worlds. Well, it does sound fabulous. People can go on your website, visit twillinggate.com. Uh, I wish we had more time. We could talk about some of the accommodations and things like that. I'm assuming there's a, there's a whole host of, of a range of places where people can stay, right? Absolutely. So there's, you know, there's hotels, there's inns, there's vacation homes, there's bed and breakfasts. So, you know, you can you get to select whatever type of accommodation suits your needs, and pretty much uh, any type is available, and and just about every price point that you can imagine. So we're pretty uh, established in that area. Mm-hmm. But I mean, people, I always say people don't come here to stay in someone's accommodations; they come here to do all the amazing things. And and there's great places to eat, which you know we all have to eat as well. So. There's a lot of uh, on offer, and uh, you won't be disappointed, that's for sure. You'll just have to come for a time, as they say, or come have a time, right? Is that, exactly. What's the phrase? <laughs> come, come for a time. Okay. Say, have a time in Twillingate. Have a time in Twillingate. Visit twillingate.com as a website. Uh, Deborah Borden is a tourism operator in Twillingate, Newfoundland. It sounds like a wonderful place to, to visit. Uh, Deborah, thanks for the insight. Randy, you have to come see us. Look forward to it. And that is this week's Informed Traveler podcast. Remember, this is the podcast version of the Informed Traveler radio show, which is heard each week on Chorus Radio. You can find more information on the show at our website, theinformedtraveler.org. So thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, let us know, leave a review, tell a friend, or you can drop me a line. My email is randy at theinformedtraveler.org. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash informedtraveler or follow me on Twitter at informedtraveler.com.